You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. Today, I am joined by Pastor Oscar Banks, pastor of Palm Lake Christian Church here in sunny St. Petersburg, Florida, our new hometown. It has been a blessing to get to know Pastor Oscar over that time since we have moved here, and I'm excited that he joined the podcast today to talk about reconciliation in the body of Christ. Now, before digging into that conversation, I just want to share about a few things that we have going on here at Rua Space. As of the time that this episode is released, we are just wrapping up our imaginative prayer series. Now, this is on Patreon, and it is up now basically forever. So whenever you're listening to this, you can go ahead and join that series. You don't have to do it as it is live, but it is a prayer form where we enter into biblical stories and even our own story and notice God's movement, experience God in new ways. We've had some really great feedback about the series, and so you can check that out on our Patreon page in the link below. Just five dollars a month you help support the podcast and gain access to that series as well as many others we also now offer one-on-one spiritual direction which is a space to explore your faith journey God's voice in your life, the movement of the Spirit. So if you've ever found yourself asking questions like, what is God's will for my life? What are some practices I can use to go deeper in my faith? Why is God silent? Where do I go from here? or many others. This is a safe space to explore that together, to talk about some practices you could enter into, and just to explore this faith life together. And then finally, friends, we do have our Christian yoga memberships. You can find our free videos on YouTube, as well as over 100 videos with practices in our memberships designed to help you go deeper in your faith as you stretch your body, mind, spirit, and faith. So you can find links to all of that in the description below. But with all of that, friends, thank you so much again for joining us here today. I pray that my conversation with Pastor Oscar is a blessing, a challenge, and an encouragement. Pastor Oscar Banks, welcome to the Rua Space Podcast. How you doing? Man, doing good. Thank you for having me, my brother. Oh, of course, of course. It's been a blessing to get to know you, and I'm excited for our conversation today around spiritual formation and race. But before we sort of dig into uh, the meat of the content, can you share with people a little bit about who you are, what you're doing these days? Yep. So uh, I am uh, Oscar Banks. I'm the lead pastor of Palm Lake uh, Christian Church right here in sunny St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, and uh, I was raised uh, in the Midwest in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, uh, in a very large congregation that uh, that really stapled us in in reconciliation, stapled us in uh, in racial unity and social justice. Uh, and so, um, a part of who I am uh, is is a, a, a proponent, a, a a drum major for. Uh, for for this unity uh, and brotherhood with uh, uh, with with people who are different, uh, maybe even not just uh, racially different, uh, but also ideologically different, uh, and I'm always uh, seeking to do that. So that that's my ministry, uh, and that's who I am in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a powerful thing to be centered on, and 
people might be thinking, hey, you know, this is a spiritual formation, a spiritual disciplines type podcast. Um, you know, what's this have to do with prayer or meditation or, or the normal stuff that, that we talk about? And yeah. I would just sort of kick it off by saying everything that we do as followers of Jesus, all of the practices that we talk about here at Rua Space are about becoming more Christ-like. And I can't think of anything more Christ-like than saying we ought to be able to love and be with everyone, especially those that we're different with, especially in today's day and age when we're being pushed more and more to only be with those who look like us, think like us, talk like us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I think it's, it's even more uh, uh, telling as we look at us as, as believers, right? Like we are, uh, uh, as Second Corinthians uh, 5 reminds us, we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Uh, that means everybody, all of us have been given this ministry. And we think that this is something that just happens by osmosis. Um, it's, it's, it's like if, if you just went to a yoga class for the very first time and you're, you believe that you're just going to be centered immediately. No, it takes practice. It takes trying. It takes, uh, it takes work. Um, same way with jujitsu, you know, people think you can just show up to a class and you're ready to, to kick someone's butt. Well, that's not how that works. Uh, you've got to practice. You've got to, you've got to work out your inner issues so that you're ready uh, to actually live in this space. Uh, and that's reconciliation, is that it, it, it takes practice, it takes work in order to get into this space. Yeah, I like that, that reference to 2 Corinthians, because that's a passage, right, about us being new, right? That a new, right. new creation has come, and, and that basically the reason for it is that God was reconciling all things to God's self. And we are now called to pick up that same ministry that same of reconciliation, yeah. of bringing things back together. So, so maybe we should start with what is sort of the, as you see things, as you've experienced, because you've worked in, in multicultural churches, you've worked in predominantly white churches, you've probably worked in predominantly black churches as well, right? So yeah. what is sort of the state of reconciliation in the church at the moment? Uh, I, I think we're still in the same space um, uh, that King uh, lamented of, you know, when we stand mm -hmm. uh, on Sunday morning and we stand in our in our churches, we're standing at the most segregated hour of our week. Um, and even though you have churches that uh, that even claim multiculturalism, because that's something that's that's an important piece. A lot of churches claim multiculturalism. But then if you look at the leadership, they don't, they don't, it doesn't look like that. Um, uh, and, and so, and so we have to make sure um, that, that in all of our churches, once again, I was raised in an African-American congregation, uh, uh, very steeped in social justice and tradition. Um, but we had a vision from our leadership uh, that we are to unite with other churches that look completely opposite of us, uh, that worship completely different than us. Uh, and we called that uh, my, my bishop, he had a conference called the Celebration of Hope. Um, and every year we gathered with churches that looked different, maybe even spoke different languages. And we would try to uh, figure out how we can worship together, how we can come together in Bible studies. And, and it was a long conference. and It was a great time. Um, and then I also was a youth pastor in a predominantly white church. Uh, and I ran into issues with with parents who who didn't agree 
uh, with having a, an, an African-American youth pastor over their children. Um, and so I've had all of these different experiences. I planted a multicultural missional congregation in Indianapolis, and we were multicultural by design. So uh, a Puerto Rican assistant pastor, uh, uh, we went out and we found uh, people who were from different backgrounds, Trinidad and Tobago and Jamaican, uh, Italian, uh, uh, regular white American, uh, regular African-American. And, and so we, we, we intentionally built a community of faith surrounding this multiculturalism. Um, we sang songs that, that had different languages in it, that had different beats and different uh, uh, cadences uh, in order to embrace this full idea of reconciliation and multiculturalism. That's more than just a label. Uh, it, it's gotta be intentionality. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I'm, I'm reminded of a passage that I love to preach from and it's the Tower of Babel story yeah. where God separates the languages, right? Which is going to guarantee that different cultures are gonna form. People are gonna to move to different parts of the world. They're gonna end up looking different. And we have to think of that as a curse and I think it was actually a blessing. God desired this diversity, right? But God wanted us to sort of bless one another in that diversity. So, I mean, and, and maybe this is an obvious question and people are gonna be like, oh, not this question, but but what, yeah. what is our problem, right? Like why, <laughs> why, why do we struggle so much in that, in that space to, to, to come together as a group? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it's because we think that God is calling us to sameness, right? Mm -hmm. and, and God is calling us to oneness. As John, you know, in John 17, where Jesus is praying that, that they may be one, but that's not sameness. Um, we, we want sameness in our churches. We want sameness in our friend groups, but then we want diversity in our wardrobe. Mm -hmm. We want diversity in our cereal choices. We want diversity in our restaurant choices, but when it comes to things that really matter, we want sameness. And I think that's, that's what we're struggling with is, is understanding that, that the same reason that you have multi-colored multi, multi ties <laughs> is the same reason God has multicultural people, is that, is that it breeds beauty, it, it breeds diversity. Um, and, and embracing that, I think we it's a it's a fear of the unknown. Right. OK, if if I walk into a store and there are people speaking all these different languages, I don't know what they're saying. So I have this fear of the unknown. And then that causes me to to uh, to begin to hate hearing that. Uh, and I think that's where we are, is that it's more fear of the unknown fear of of. I don't know what this person is saying. I don't know why they're dressed like that. I don't know why they have the dot on their forehead. I don't know why they have the wrap on their head. I don't know why they're listening to this beat music. And, and so we build all of these fears with people, not recognizing that it's just the beauty of diversity. Yeah. It's the beauty of differentness, uh, but we can still create oneness in that differentness. Yeah, I think that word fear is, is really central to it. But I think what's been for me and what I've been noticing in myself as I've been growing in this, and of course, this is a, um, this is probably going to be a never ending process until the day never I die to try to yeah. be someone who is um, diverse in unity and, and open and, and learning. But I, I see that it's sort of working on two levels. We have sort of our conscious 
ways that mm. we are fearful of others. But I think one of the really sort of dangerous things about this is the subconscious or even the unconscious ways that this works and the systemic ways. So for example, and this is sort of a shift in the conversation, but I think we'll be, we'll be sort of circling the same ideas. The, the idea of, hey, I'm, I'm not racist. I'm good with everybody. Look, I've, I've got a black friend. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, so then consciously, Hey, 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 I'm good. What, what, why does that not work? Why is that? Because there's, there's a lot more going on under the surface. Is there not? Right. Right. And it's because we, we have these, these implicit biases, right. That we, that we never examine. We, we have these, uh, these ways that, um, that unconsciously or, or maybe in our, uh, in the background of our mind, we've created these barriers and these walls that we just live in. And then we create uh, uh, these false realities, such as I have a black friend or my pastor's black or um, I like hip hop music. You know, <laughs> we, we, we do we, we create these false realities without ever really doing the inside work of looking at ourselves and saying, OK, what are my implicit biases? What are the things that I don't even think about that I do um, that that are not right? And, and I'll just say it that are that are racist. What are the things that I do? What are the thoughts that I have that are anti people that are anti a human um, because they are different than me? Um, and and if, if we if we don't look at those things that are inside, then we will never have we'll, we'll never have that unity. We'll never have that reconciliation. Can you give some examples of what those what those might look like? Maybe yeah, some so, of those biases that that we've maybe need to think about. And of course, you can't give an exhaustive list, but maybe some examples. Right. And so and so 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 there are two words or two phrases uh, that's used as, as we're doing this internal evaluation. Right. There are there are implicit biases, meaning, uh, let's say, if you were hiring for a job. Some of us have an implicit bias to hire, once again, sameness. Mm. We, want, we want to hire people who are like us. We want to hire people who think like us. We want to build teams of people who are just like us. And sometimes that means all men. You know, you may have an implicit bias towards men. Uh, you may have an implicit bias towards women. You may have an implicit bias towards white men. You may have an implicit bias towards wealthy white men, educated white men. And so, and so we build these implicit biases unconsciously a lot of times, mm -hmm. uh, but we have to make sure that we're doing that work. The other phrase that's used um, are microaggressions. Uh, and these microaggressions are, are, are things where internally, once again, you don't know that you're doing it and you don't really see it as racist. Example, uh, let's say uh, the, uh, you're in a, in a high school um, seventh grade class, right? And they talk about Hispanic Heritage Month. And everybody in the class turns to the Hispanic kid in the class. Hey, what do you know about Hispanic? That's racist. That's a microaggression. It doesn't seem like it because it seems like you're, 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 you're turning towards a person who looks like they may have information about a subject because of how they look. That's a microaggression. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have to understand that these these are internal things that internally or, or, or consciously we don't see them as bad, but 
Those are things that we have to watch out for. Um, we, we, we've got to ask ourselves, okay, why am I asking, watch this, why am I asking this person to talk about this? It's an implicit bias. It's a microaggression that, that, that actually feels right and it sounds right until we really do the work. Like if, I, if, I'm, if I'm dealing with, um, um, if once again, if I'm dealing with racism, right? And I'm only asking this person because they are black. That that's a microaggression. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I, I I love this person. They're cool. I love their their ways. I hear their message, and they're black. Cool. I want to deal with that person. I want to really work with them because of their humanity and not because of their race. I want to work with them because of their humanity and not because of their sex. I want to mm-hmm. work with them because of their humanity and not because of their faith. There, there may be things that we need to talk about that are even outside of that realm. And we can have those microaggressions against people of different faiths, different gender, different sexual identities, and all those other things, too. Um, it takes a lot of work, and that's why we don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I like that. I like saying, you know, because it's not having a, a color blindness, right? Like, oh, I, I don't I don't see or, or, or uh, oh, I don't see that they're a man or a woman or black or white or whatever. But right. at the same time saying there, there's something deeper to, to connect with, with people like sort of, I, I mean, I think of something like the beloved prayer, right? Like I am a beloved child of God. Like every person is a beloved child of God and sort of being able to see the worth in, in everyone. Yeah. Um, what, what, what is like, um, I guess a, a next step might be then, you know, just like we might teach centering prayer or we might teach welcoming prayer to get it to to start connecting with our feelings or um you know teaching hermeneutics to start studying the bible to to start doing this work what kind of questions might be like like we talked about implicit biases and things but how does someone start of sort of start to unpack this for themselves like what does this process sort of look like yeah so i I love what you said earlier that that it's a continual process right uh, because what you don't want is for people to 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 do these steps, and I'm I'm about to say, and then after they do it the one time, they're like, "Woo, anti-racist!" Woo! No, you're not, bro. Get it, get it together. Take a step back. And so the first thing um, that I always encourage people to do, um, uh, and and I've led uh, anti-racist pro reconciliation trainings uh, with our uh, with our denomination with our region. Um, and so we, we were training pastors to become anti-racist. Um, and so here, you know, some of the things that we uh, are, are teaching people to do is first check yourself. Check yourself. Um, uh, the, the, the same way that in a lot of the spiritual practices, you would do a, uh, a self scan. You just are scanning yourself. You're, you're, you're finding out, okay, what am I feeling? What am I, what am I experiencing right now? We have to do those same practices first with our um, uh, implicit biases, our microaggressions, our, our mindsets uh, about race. What, how do we think about race? How do I feel about race? What do I really feel when I hear the subject happening in our world? We have to check ourselves. Uh, I remember there was a hip hop song that said, Chichigity, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And that's what we have to do uh, because we have to check our mindsets. 
We have to we have to scan our brain. We have to scan our feelings towards these things. Um, and that's the first thing. The second piece is, is kind of like you said. We have to seek and watch what I'm saying here. We have to seek to see God in everyone. I didn't say we have to see God in everyone. We have to first just seek it because there's some people who we struggle with seeing God. There are some people who, who, who we write off because of how they look or how they dress or, or whatever. Yeah, and so instead of just uh, not there, yeah, hard to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, God, 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 is, God is definitely not there. You know? mm. uh, and, and so we have to seek to see God in everyone. That means that you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to get out of your mindset that, that's been designed to, um, uh, to judge, a.k.a. a book by its cover. You, you, you've got to get out of that mindset that immediately looks at a guy who's sagging his pants, uh, has dreadlocks and gold teeth, and you see a thug. He may be a multi-billionaire with a tech company. And because he's free to be himself, he just likes to dress how he dresses. And we have to recognize that our implicit biases are not fact. Our ideas of who people are and how they behave, they're not facts. They're just our feelings. And so we have to examine those things. So check yourself um, and then seek to see God in everyone. And then the third one is practice it again. It's just repeat. <laughs> you, you should be in constantly checking yourself, constantly seeking to see God in, in everyone and then repeating it. Um, and so that's, 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 the, that's the simple practice of reconciliation. That's the simple practice of bringing back together that which was uh, broken. Um, and and I, I just want to add one more thing. There are many people who have struggles with this word reconciliation. Because the way that some people see it is that they say, well, we were never together. What do you mean? Hmm. So th th there's no sense of reconciliation because reconciliation is bringing back together that which is broken. And people are saying, well, we were never together. Well, that's not true. Even look at, look at, the, look at the world in which we live. All of these uh, so-called continents and, and, and nations were one place at one time. You look at the map, it, it all sticks together. At one time, we were all one humanity. No, that's not popular because, hey, what about all of our different colors and foods and things? Yeah, that's awesome. But at one point, we were all one. Yeah. Yeah. Eating rice and vegetables. We, we were all <laughs> doing the same thing. Hunting and gathering together and, and, and sharing meals together. We were all one yeah. at some point. And so yeah. now we, we're, we're in this space where we have different languages, different races, different cultures, different colors, different music, and, 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 we're, and we're called to find oneness and unity in this space. Which, which seems, you know, no matter, no matter what direction you approach it from, whether you look at Genesis 1 and say, man, this is a literal story of two people. Well, there it is, right? There's, 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 your, there's your connection back. If you look yeah. at it from an evolution standpoint, you know, wherever that happened, that localized population that changed, 
we're back to that unity. But even from a biblical perspective, we have Pentecost, right? Of everyone hearing each other in their language. We have Jesus' prayer that we may be one. I mean, this is, you know, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, but one God, one yeah. Trinity, and we're made in that image. So I feel like all the way, all the way down, you know, is, <laughs> is this, this focus in the Bible on, on community and unity. I, I don't see how there's any way around this is one of the fundamental commands as a follower of Jesus is get together with others and be in relationship with them. And then you go all the way to the end, to the revelation. It says every knee will bow, mm -hmm. every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. How amazing would that be if we on a Sunday morning had people worshiping in their own languages, but together mm -hmm every knee bowing, every tongue confessing. That takes us getting out of our comfort zones and intentionally creating those spaces of, of corporate unity, of corporate worship. Um, uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the benefits of our, of our denomination is, is um, uh, we allow people to speak their languages even at the Lord's table. And there are many times uh, that we'll be in spaces and we'll start saying uh, the Lord's Prayer and you'll hear it in maybe 15 different languages at the exact same time. That's cool. And it's so powerful. Sometimes I get I get chills when I'm in those spaces. But that's that shouldn't be a denominational thing. It should be a Christian thing. If we really believe in this thing that we're talking about, if we really believe that Jesus has called to unify us and reconcile us to God and to one another, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, if we truly believe it, then that should be our goal. And we have to be intentional about it. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking back to the story you told about um, someone with saggy jeans, you know, gold, gold teeth, you know, whatever, whatever, the whole description. Um and I, and I started thinking as we start to, through the process you were giving of, of sort of scan and check ourselves, seek to see God in the other, you know, maybe we can walk through what are some of the fears that hold us back from doing that? And maybe we can help name some of them for people. Obviously not all of them, right? There's a short conversation. You could probably write <laughs> volumes and volumes about right, fear. Yeah. Um, but I do think it may be helpful to show some examples of what, what might be the fear. So for example, one fear that I could probably name is something that I think as, as humans, we have to fight against over and over, especially with the example you gave, was the, the fear that is rooted in, it is my job to set people, other people on the right path as I see it, right? And so right. what we often then are, are concerned, well, I can't worship them or be in relationship with them, or I've got to look down at them or, or whatever it might be, seems to come from a, it's my job to police where others are at. So that, that right. to me would be like a fear. What, what other fears might we be able to name that internally lead us to not understanding even what we're feeling, but then not seeking to see God in the other? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm actually going to name a hard fear that, that most of us, when, when you hear this story, you can say, I, I understand that fear. There's a lady uh, that I'm intimately connected to um uh in 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 our in our in our church in our in our not not in our physical church but in our regional church um and she 
um, her and her husband, <clears throat> their daughter was killed by another, by, by an African-American male. Hmm. Brutally killed by an African-American male. And what happens to many of us, we have these experiences and through our experiences, we create in our mind fears that in all intents and purposes could be justified fears. When, when, when I've seen so many police brutality moments in, in my lifetime, in my world, in my neighborhood growing up, that for me, I have a fear, like a serious fear when a police officer pull, not even pulling me over, just pulls up behind me. I have a, I have a fear that my heart starts beating, my, 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 I start getting sweaty, I, I start, I, I straighten up, I, I do all those things because of a, of, a, of a fear that may be justified. So, so there are real fears that, that have a physiological uh, uh, um, uh, show up in our bodies because of what we've been through, experiences that we've seen, experiences that we've heard of. Um, and, so, and so those are justified fears. But then there are also um, the fear of, of the other taking over uh, and getting a one up on us. Um, I remember when in, in 2008, when, uh, uh, when Barack Obama became the first African-American president of the United States, uh, there was a fear <laughs> by some of our white brothers and sisters that he would do reverse racism, that he would put white people into slavery. And all of a sudden, oh, now it's a whole different ballgame. But that's never happened in history. So what are we talking about? That, that's never happened to white people in history. So, so that is, that's, not an, that's not a justified fear. And then when he didn't do it and he, gave, he tried to give everybody health care, then he was demonized for trying to give people health care. And so we, we have to think about our fears. Once again, all of these, all of these fears, um, some can be justified based upon our experiences. Maybe if you're a woman and you've had some traumatic experiences with men, yeah, so when a man comes close or comes into your space, you have a justified fear. There's a physiological change that happens in your body because of an experience that you had with a person or with, this, or with these people. And so now you have that fear with everybody who represents that kind of person. Um, and, so, and so we do have these, these justified physiological changing of fears, but then we also have these unjustified uh, uh, fears that really are just more psychological things that we need to work through. We, we need to get through. We need to figure it out. Why, why, don't, why do I feel this way about this group of people? Yeah. Um, and so we've got to, we, we've got to, or I guess it's unrealized fears. You know, we, we've got these, um, these, these thought processes about people that have never been real. Have, we've never had the experience, but for some reason, we just still have these uh, these weird fears. Um, yeah, I always say fear is the is, is what leads to sin. You know, um, oftentimes when we hate a person, it's it's fear driven. Um, it when when you steal something, <laughs> it's because you you're afraid that you can't afford it. Uh, and so and so fear is kind of at the root of most of our issues. Um, and so yeah, they're they're justified fears. 
there are unrealized fears. Uh, there are some physiological uh, fears that, 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 that raise up in us, uh, depending on our experiences. Yeah. And, and that's the process of uncovering in ourselves the mix and, where, and sort of where we're at. And, well, you have to check yourself. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's, a, that's another listening practice. You know, a lot of what we teach here at Rua Space has to do with listening, listening to God, listening to ourself. And you're sort of adding in another sort of listening practice of listening to your own story. But what is the role of listening to others in this process? Because whether I've talked to someone who's a member of a First Nations community or um, other, you know, across the board, whoever it is, whether it's someone I spoke to in the Middle East or in an (laughs) African-American context or First Nations context, listening was this common thread that just seems to be a part of all of it. Yeah, I think it, because listening, it opens your mind to think beyond your mind. As I listen to you, I'm now opening myself to receive something that didn't come from myself, that doesn't come from my thought processes. Um, When I was a youth pastor, um, one of the challenges that I gave to to this predominantly white congregation uh, of youth, and I'm talking, we had about 200 kids uh, in our youth uh, ministry. And one thing that the parents didn't like that I challenged the kids with, um, I said, if you go to your lunch table, if you go to lunch, you guys are in middle school, high school, you go to lunch and you eat with the same people every day. This is what I challenge you to do. At least twice a week, find a table of people who are different than you. Color different, language different. Maybe you're, you're, a, you're a jock. Maybe you're an athlete. Go sit with some of the more uh, <laughs> uh, grungy people or go, or go sit with a different group and just talk to them and listen to them. And a lot of parents were in an uproar Mm. that I would challenge their children to seek out people who are different than them. Because what that does is that when you start hearing the stories, you, you realize, man, a lot of our experiences are almost the same. Oh, wow. You like Lip Biscuit too. Like, like we, we, we can start to hear and, and understand that not everybody is how we believe them to be. Sorry. Also, sorry. You just totally dated us with a reference to Limp Yes, with Limp Biscuit. Yes, I was, did. Maybe yes. when we were in high school. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the cool thing is that there, there's so many, there's so many pieces of the puzzle that if we just open ourselves and listen, that we'll figure out, okay, cool. So we actually are similar. Yeah, my my growing up, my neighborhood may have been a little different, may have been a little harder. But at the end of the day, we are still raised under the same sunlight. We're still sitting under the same moon. Uh, The stars that twinkle above my head are the same stars that twinkle above your head. Um, And so it's just it's it's a beauty of listening that that opens us up um, not only to hear something that's without us, but also to recognize the oneness in you that's also in me. Uh, so that's the beauty of listening. Yeah. Yeah. Recognizing the difference, but sort of then returning again to that, that oneness in Christ, that oneness in how we are created, um, the belovedness that we 
all share as children of God. You know, that really, that really changed for me when I was living in the Middle East and people Mm. were so scared for me to go, like you said, because of real experiences of terrorism and the real fact that cafes get blown up and, you know, people are kidnapped and, um, I'll never forget getting lost in, in Jordan one day. And this was a country where the state department was like, Hey, you gotta be careful because they'll kidnap you and hold you for ransom, blah, blah, blah. And here I am lost, right? This 18 year old (laughs) white kid, you know, like, you know, and, 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 ultimately some other teenagers came, helped us out who spoke Arabic and English, paid for our cab fare, got us where we needed to go. I mean, changed my life, but, but sort of without going, without going and listening and experiencing, I I never would have had that change. I would only see what the American news sort of tells me. I would only see what the movies sort of tell me. I'd only see from the couple experiences I had before good or negative, but sort of going out and seeing a real face of another person changed so much. So what are maybe some resources or some, you know, like I love the idea of sitting at another table during lunch in high school, right? For, for people of, of a, um, of all ages, what might be some other resources or ideas to say, hey, this is a good step. Like when I had Terry Wildman on, um, yeah. he talked about, hey, go to a local powwow, not in order to tell them what you think or, or whatever, yeah. but to just take in something different. What might be some ideas for, and again, it doesn't have to be just white, black, it could be male, female, it could be interfaith, whatever, but how do we, where do some resources to begin to listen and, and see the face of others? Yeah, I think um, once again, you have, you have uh, implicit ideas. Those, those are ideas that, um, uh, that happen in, on the subconscious level. Uh, things that, that we live out, that we experience that happen on the subconscious. We also have to be intentional. And, and so, uh, for me, the intentionality of it is if you were raised, if you were raised in an all white church, if you were raised in a in a in a Southern Baptist church, if you were raised in an African-American traditional church where everybody dresses up and dresses and suits and whatnot, be intentional about seeking out another worship experience that is completely different than yours and don't go as an observer. If you're a believer, you're a worshiper, right? So go as a worshiper. Go as a worshiper. Go opening your spirit, beginning to pray. Okay, God, as I enter into this space, open my heart to receive your word. Open my heart to experience you among these people. You know, you, you, have, to, you have to be intentional spiritually about opening yourself up uh, for that. Um, matter of fact, there are now even womanist congregations. People are like, oh, we're womanists. Well, well, uh, feminists in reality are more aligned uh, with, um, with white women's movement of the 1920s and whatnot, right? The womanist movement is, is more geared towards the African-American woman's experience in America. Uh, and so there are womanist ministries that you can watch online, that you can listen to online. Um, there, are, there are various experiences now. Everybody's on YouTube. Everybody's on Facebook Live. Uh, so you can actually go in, listen to what people are preaching. 
uh, go in, listen to how they're worshiping. And when you're there, when you're online or if you're in person, once again, open yourself to receive the word of God. Open yourself to experience this worship uh, that you've never experienced before. Um, there are various conferences that are going on um, all around the world, online uh, and in person. Once again, you have to be intentional about seeking those things out. Um, uh, uh, there's, there are books that, uh, that help us to understand what's happening in our world in, in, in America but, but label it a different way. I, I think one of the books that's going around right now is the book Cast. Um, uh, uh, that's uh, C-A-S-T-E. It's called The Origins of Our Dis, uh, Discontents. It's by Isabel Wilkerson. Um, uh, this book Cast, it helps to, to paint the picture of, of our racist plight right here. But it uses a different language. It uses a different way to paint the picture so that we can see it beyond our defenses. So we can see it beyond uh, the walls that we build up as soon as somebody talks about racism. Mm -hmm. uh, and so and so there are books, there are uh, conferences. There's a church right down the street from y'all's house. <laughs> you know, everybody has a church down the street from their house uh, that's different than what their tradition is. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to encourage people just go. Just go and become a part of the community, worship with them, uh, eat at their cookouts, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, try the different foods, um, uh, go to different restaurants. Maybe you maybe you only eat the American cuisine, the burger and fries. Uh, uh, go to a real Mexican restaurant. Uh, uh, go to a real hood barbecue spot. Maybe you're like, well, pastor. I have that fear, my physiological, uh, my sweats, I get all that. Okay, cool. Go find your black friend and have them take you to the, a real barbecue spot in the hood. Um, and you'll see that it's just people living. You'll see that it's just people eating. It's just people enjoying life. And once you have those other positive experiences, it will open your spirit up to continue to practice reconciliation. But you have to be intentional, intentional about destroying the walls that have been built up implicitly uh, in, in all of us. Yeah, I think that's a powerful word. I think that that, that word intentional, I think that's everything. <laughs> it's related to everything we do. And uh, so true, especially in this. And man, you were preaching there at the end, which I love. That was, that was awesome. And I feel like we're getting toward that final word. But let, let me sort of give you the, the space to say, what, what would be a final word of encouragement or challenge that, that you would offer for people on this journey? Yeah, I think if, if, if we are really, once again, every time I preach, I'm really only talking to the Christian because that's, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian pastor. So for those of us who believe, if we are ever going to see the, the spirit of Christ alive in our world, if we're ever gonna see unity and reconciliation, which is the ministry we've been given alive in our world, it starts with the church. It starts with us being intentional about tearing down the walls that divide us, tearing down those implicit biases, uh, tearing down those microaggressions, tearing down the systems, the systems. It's not really about individuals. 
yeah, you have to do the individual work, but we have to destroy the systems that we've built in our churches, uh, in our hiring practices. Uh, there are many churches that, that you look and they're like, oh, well, we have a diverse staff. Well, if the janitor is the only person of color on your staff, that's not a diverse staff. That's not a diverse staff. And so we have to be intentional about making decisions, where we eat, where we shop, um, uh, who we talk to, um, our friends, who we go to lunch with. We should be intentional about destroying these walls. And I pray, I pray, I pray uh, that here in 2022, we stop looking like 1957. I pray that here in 22. Uh, 2022, we, we start tearing down those, uh, those things and speaking up when we hear it, speaking against it. I think that was one of, uh, one of uh, King's major pieces uh, as, he worked, as he wrote from the Birmingham, uh, uh, Birmingham jail was it was the moderate white Christian pastors who were silent throughout the entire civil rights movement because they didn't want to upset the status quo. They wanted to hold on to their positions, hold on to their uh, to their jobs, hold on to their people. And instead of speaking the truth, they just stayed silent. And anyone who is staying silent, you're actually complicit. You're complicit to what we're seeing. We're complicit to having uh, uh, voting rights ripped from the hands of people. We're complicit to having LGBTQAI plus children uh, possibly getting in trouble if they even talk about being LGBTQAI because of laws that we're allowing to pass. We're implicit. We're implicit by keeping those who are the most vile and the most racist, they are comfortable, especially even where we are, where they're passing laws where you can't even say things that make people uncomfortable for them being racist. Hmm. We got to stop being complicit. We got to speak out. We got to stand up. Uh, we got to really be about who Jesus was uh, and live in that truth, which is reconciliation, which is repentance, which is rejuvenating the spirit of God among God's people, and especially rejuvenating the spirit of love among God's people. Um, we are we're, we're we're the hands and feet. And if it doesn't happen with us, it's not going to happen in this world. Hmm. Amen. That's, that's all I can say to that. Amen. Thank you uh, so much for sharing. You know, where can people go to connect more with what you're doing to connect with your work? Yeah. So uh, I've got a new website that I'm that I'm starting now. It's called MasteringMindsetRenewal.com. Uh, we're also developing developing the podcast MasteringMindsetRenewal.com. You can catch me on Instagram uh, at OscarBanks4. Uh, you can catch me on on uh, on Facebook. You can catch me uh, on our church website, homelakecc.org uh, as well. Uh, so we're out there. We're in these streets. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Oscar. This was a blessing. I, I really appreciate your time. And, and in the way you taught me, I have to say peace. Peace.
Hey friends, Phil here again. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode. I pray that you have something to think about and maybe something to act on in your own life and faith community. Before you go, I also just wanted to say to remember to check out some of those links in the description below, either to connect more with Pastor Oscar or to check out our Patreon page, our Christian yoga memberships, or to set up spiritual direction. Thank you again, friends. Until next time, grace and peace be with you. 